welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I sit down with Spencer Corson, who used to be in charge of Glenn Beck's security detail. Today, Spencer runs his own business, and he's a book author. Our conversation with him is next. American President Calvin Coolidge once said, quote, to live under the American Constitution is the greatest political privilege that was ever accorded to the human race. A great quote from a great man, and there's a great coffee named after him, the silent cow blend at American Pride Roasters Coffee. If you're needing a coffee blend with a perfect mixture of light and dark roasted beans with both smooth and bold qualities, this is the blend for you. I love it. And right now at aprcoffee.com, they're offering a big sale on the Silent Cow Blend. You can get a three-pound box for $40. That's $5 off. And then you use promo code ATM at checkout, and they're going to knock another 10% off of that. aprcoffee.com has you covered for the freshest, most flavorful blends of coffee. Uh, the K-Cups are available there. A lot of people don't realize that. They've got coffee drops, too. Get over there today. aprcoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Spencer Corson has been a soldier, a special agent, and a protector, and now he's a book author. Recently, he and I sat down, discussed his memorable life, including his favorite book, oh, which was the favorite book of another recent guest on this podcast. <laughs> My conversation with Spencer Corson begins right now on At The Mic. Here with Spencer Corson, sir. Wait, am I pronouncing it right? It's Corson. It's Corson. Okay. Like golf course with an N. All right. I want to make sure here. I don't want to, because, I mean, I just feel that, you know, if I mispronounce something, you might be too nice to uh, just let it go. Oh, I will not be too nice. That's what, that's a good guess. Okay. So let's start at the very beginning of your life. Sure. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, born and raised. On a playground where you spend uh, most of your Well, days? with South Philly, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, um... <laughs> Born in Philadelphia, yeah. Uh, parents quickly moved to South Jersey, uh-huh. little town called Eldridge Gardens. Um, spent most of my elementary years in South Jersey. Okay, uh, family has a beach house. Oh, nice. Uh, my grandparents has have a beach house. We were poor. Um, dad left when I was like five. I have three younger sisters. Mom ran daycare out of the house for like the next couple of years. And so this was when the first like, uh, I remember my grandfather coming over to the house when I was like five and a half years old and him being like, you're the man of the house now. It's, you need to look after your, your mom and your younger sisters. And oh, I was nice. like, okay, not at all a, not at all a challenge for a five-year-old. <laughs> I was like, but like I adored my grandfather. He was like a World War II vet. And so I like, wanted to like do everything that I sure. could to make him happy. Did, did this... Did this uh, stick in your mind and almost uh, kind of get rooted? 1,000%. Yeah, subconsciously where you are now into taking care of people. Yeah, yeah. Because your background, by the way, if people aren't familiar, security. And we're going to talk a lot about that. And the way I originally met you was through your providing security for Glenn Beck here around the studios uh, where I I did. I ran his security detail for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. Any... uh, any stories that you're allowed to tell, or are they all under uh, legal lock and key? They're all under legal lock and key, <laughs> but uh, we he asked too. There's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a couple times when if you're reading the book, you're like, pretty sure that's gone. 
but uh yeah yeah but it's it's written in such a way that uh you know uh, my lawyers and his lawyers both gave it a green light i can't wait to ask We're you some, okay. some questions from the book the safety trap a security expert's secrets for staying safe in a dangerous world you just handed me a copy before we started here already looking through it it is a very practical useful guide for people that want to stay safe in a crazy world i am so grateful for this i mean thank you for providing this book and hey the research, I, I appreciate you know. that absolutely well, it was one of those things where i'll give you the quick rundown version um mom wound up getting remarried to my high school gym teacher oh boy how was that it was great was it yeah he was awesome so you liked yeah, it wasn't i have like, his oh, i have no. his last name he, okay. so, yeah, so my sisters kept their last name because they were all going to get married and their name was going to change anyway okay. but uh he didn't have a son and i didn't have a father um he had four daughters from a previous marriage so i had three younger sisters and then married into or my mom married into a, a family so now i have seven sisters wow so i had to join the army to get brothers oh, um, oh so man. we're <laughs> living up in pennsylvania i go to high school there i go to college and i re originally go to school to be a music major yeah yeah i was um really into uh jazz music i played saxophone i played piano and i was also like really into you know there's like crime investigation shows where so what i wanted to do was work with coma patients and i wanted to do like an investigation into the you know when you're going for a run or you're working out and you're kind of tired and then one song comes on mm -hmm. and you're like oh i got that extra Gives boost some, of energy yeah. i wanted to put soundtracks to people's lives Oh. And then hook them up to like, you know, those like readers that can, because they say when you're in a coma, you can't talk, but you can hear. So I thought we could maybe have a physiological response to external oh, stimuli. And yeah. ramp. anyone out there who can actually do this, please take it. It's yours. I give it to you for free. Please, you know, help good people make bad things better. And um, <laughs> yeah, so um, that wound is up, fascinating. So wound up my sophomore year of college reading this book by Tom Clancy called Without Remorse. And it was all about this... They just made a, an Amazon movie about it that completely took the book and flushed it down the toilet. Wow. But Michael <laughs> but, B. Jordan's a great actor. That just it, that right. if, if that movie had been called anything else, it would have been fantastic. The <laughs> fact that it was called Without Remorse was just IP violation. Oh no! But uh, yeah, so because you were a music theory major, I was a music theory major for a year and a half, and then you turned on a dime after reading the Clancy. Literally book? turned on a dime. It reawoken that baser instinct I had from my childhood right. about being a protector. Okay. And it opened my eyes to, oh, there's this whole like world of protectors out there from government government agencies to the military to special operations community to, you know, the CIA, the NSA, the you know, the FBI. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. So I wound up doing a double major in psychology and sociology and got a job with the Justice Department and was like, listen, I want to go FBI or Secret Service. And they were like, listen, for what you want to do, why don't you just go into the military? It'll make for a nice lateral transition, you get your security clearance, get your weapons and tactics training. And it was 1999. There was absolutely nothing going on in the world. Mm -hmm. So I walked out of the federal building at like 11th and Arch and walked down to military recruiting at 5th and Arch. And six blocks and three weeks later, I was in the Army. Wow. And uh, because it was 1999 and because I enlisted with a college degree, they just kept throwing schools at me. So I went to airborne school, went to ranger school, and then September 11th happened and the whole world changed. Mm -hmm. um, went to Afghanistan, came back, wound up working for the government for a little bit, went to work for Gavin DeBecker and Associates, um, wound up uh, uh, being on Glenn's detail, and then 
went overseas and did some uh, consulting on the movie Zero Dark Thirty, came back from that, and that's when Sandy Hook happened. And both of my parents were teachers, but, you know, and phenomenal educators, but weren't protectors. You know, right. I, I was. And when you have all of your family and friends, I have an uncle who's a superintendent, I have a sister who's a teacher, I have a niece who's a teacher, I have a, a cousin who's a superintendent. And all of them are reaching out like, hey, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so I realized in that moment that my particular skill set, which was being reserved for that top 1% of the population, could be better served to the other 99. So I kind of put myself out there as a consultant, and I help good people make bad things better. And this book is an extension of that. I like that. I like that. You mentioned uh, advising on Zero Dark Thirty. Um, Could could the uh, average moviegoer see you in that movie? Uh, the average movie goer, if they don't blink, will see me getting drugged by a dog at the end of a leash <laughs> as uh, as that dog jumps on and off a helicopter. <laughs> so, fun, a funny story. And to this point, so all of my friends who are in, in, the, in the security uh, community rib me about this. Because even to this day, if you Google my name, it says Spencer Corson actor. That is awesome. Um, but what happened was there was a so on the actual bin Laden raid in, in Islamabad, SEAL Team 6 had a canine attached to that mission. So on the movie, they had a, an actor and a dog that were going to portray. The, the dog's name was Cairo, and I don't remember who the, 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 the operator's name. And they were training in Los Angeles for a number of months prior to coming. We were filming in Jordan. The dog didn't have the, the proper shots to mm. get, so Jordanian Customs sent them back. So Catherine Bigelow, who's the director of the movie, comes up to me at the chow line one day. She's like, Spencer, you were in the army, right? I was like, yes, ma'am. She's like, how are you with dogs? I was like, great. She's like, you're my canine seal. Oh. So they uh, they filmed a couple scenes. <laughs> and yeah, if you blink, you'll see me like walking by a fire pit like as they're getting ready for the mission. You see me jump on the helicopter. You see me jump off the helicopter. And as a result That's of that, cool. I have an IMDb page. That's so I'm awesome, Spen- man. On, the, on the Googles, I am Spencer Corson, yeah, I mean, actor. Not everybody can say they have an IMDb. Oh no, and page. I've got the movie poster with like all yes. of my yeah hanging in my office. How cool it's, is it's, that? It's, it's great. So you know, when we started this podcast, I said let's go to the beginning, and we started with you, you know, being born and raised in Philadelphia, but we haven't gone with your earliest memory, which you listed as birth. I did. Um, Come on. I. I because I, I have not, this is not the first time I've heard this, but it's the first time that I've been able to sit across from someone and say, come on. Come on, come on, come on. So, this I mean, I'm sure that's not the first memory. Like, I, I, I have, like, very early memories of, like, walking on the train tracks. Uh-huh. Like, so when this, like, apartment where my parents first had was, I just remember, and I don't know if I actually remember it or just because there's a photo of it that I remember it, mm. but there's a photo of like a three-year-old Spencer like waddling on train tracks, like walking, right. you know? But like the first like real memory I, memory I have, like the, so did you ever see the movie like um, Inside Out? Uh, yeah, like, right, it, like, that, like with picture, all the five, Right, right, right. And then there's the like that, that, that whole stuff. thing about like core memories where yeah. it's like, yeah. So my first like core memory is is my dad leaving, is Frank leaving, mm-hmm. and him saying, like, so like that, like, How that's my you? first, I was five, five mm-hmm. and a half, and uh, so that was, I would say that's my first core memory, mm. and probably one of significant influence, um, but you know. But what's this? That's what therapy's for. Sure, yeah. Uh, so the birth thing, though, you, you you just think you might remember it, or are you playing games? Or um, no, no, I absolutely do not remember being born. Okay. Uh, I, well, but <laughs> there's a lot. So are you, I don't, I don't know, know, like, how into, like, you know, like, fringe, uh, 
Research you. Hit me, hit me uh, with it. Like, I, hold on, I, hold on, I get hold on. great entertainment by watching like the conspiracy, right. uh, reading the conspiracy yeah, on uh, subreddit. Second. Hang on a second. My commute is between 3 and 4 a.m. So hit me with whatever you're thinking about. So there's, there's some research that may support that the reason all of these people who... Um, the quote unquote like alien abduction things. Mm-hmm. What they what do they describe? They're like in this like um this bubble, it's kind of like liquidy, and then there's a bright light, and then you know, they're they're disoriented and everything's foggy and they can see beings, but they can't make out what they're saying. Right. There is some evidence that may support the fact that that is a birth memory. Wow. That just because of like the way the neurotransmitters in our brain go from you know go bouncing from left to right and up and down and side to side that certain external physiological stimuli may trigger huh. that kind of a memory and that may actually be what they're so not, not necessarily dreaming of that past experience but like some sort of trigger happening right Wow. Yeah, because just think about how many things like aren't in like the forefront of your consciousness, but then you'll smell something or you'll hear a song. Yeah. Or oh, you'll, oh. There's a million. Every there's day. A, I mean, our minds. I'm the soundtrack just, guy you're talking about. Yeah. You know, soundtrack of your life. You right. Know? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if we could actually like everyone had their own soundtrack? You know, what's funny is like when you know when Spotify does that like your your year in music and you go back and you can be like, oh yeah, like. This is when I was dating so and so, and this uh-huh. is this is when we broke up, and this is when I got that new job, and this is when I was on vacation, and this is when I started that new workout routine, and oh, oh here's where I got the Peloton, and it's kind of interesting. <laughs> you can you can really track your your own life through your your everyday playlist. So let's go back real quick. A very large family, right? Yeah. So do you guys Three. ever get together at the same time? That's got to be a, a crowd. It's house. really hard. The last <laughs> time we were all together was probably. Christmas 10 years ago. Wow. Um, you know, everyone gets older, they have kids, they move, they're, you know, you have you have in-law responsibilities, you have this, you have that. Just getting like me and my my three younger sisters together with mm-hmm. my family. I mean, obviously like the past year with COVID was impossible. Yeah. But prior to that, but we're all going to try to get together for the holidays this year. So Uncle Spencer, right? Uncle Spencer. Right. So yeah. how many nieces and nephews do you have at this I point? have um <laughs> Don't get it wrong. Uh, four. Four. Okay. Yeah, I bet I bet you're a fun uncle, right? I think I'm a great uncle. Yeah, I can um, see kids climbing all over you and stuff. Yeah, so I'm not like a stepsister, stepbrother, step like if your family, your family, to me. Like I don't do like the whole like okay, yeah, oh, sure, stepsister. Like yeah. no, this is my sister. Like mm-hmm. you're you're that's good. You're in or you're out. That's like, a good take. Yeah. Um, and so from <laughs> you're um, in or you're out. <laughs> so I have a niece and a nephew on one side who are like 28, and I have a niece and nephew because uh, they're twins. And I have uh, and my uh, biological sister has two kids. They're four and six. Okay, very yeah. cool, very cool. So, you have a German Shepherd. I do. Named Ronan. Ronan. I thought it was funny. It wasn't uh, too long ago that you accidentally sent me a text about him, and you're like, disregard that text. <laughs> I was like, oh my bad. I mean, it was yeah, nothing. Ronan. <laughs> Ronan saved my life on Monday night. That's what I want to hear about. Yeah. I, 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 well, actually, he saved the bad guy's life. Yeah. On Monday night. <laughs> let's be very. Let's be very clear. Yeah. So what happened? with that so it's one o'clock in the morning i go to bed like around midnight or so and i'm, I'm exhausted i've had like the a really long day oh don't you love those and in like 60 seconds my head hits the pillow and i'm i'm dead to the world yeah 1 10 a.m woof woof like that like guttural like 
something's wrong and you did, need to get out here. Because, listen, like, I don't, do you have a dog? Yes. Like, so, you know, like, they'll be like, hmm, what's that? And then they'll, like, they'll, it, and then well, they, they put they've their got, head back they've down. Got, they've got the right. subdued, like, yeah. oh, oh, it's the mailman. It's the right. mailman or, you know, there's, um, yeah. And so, but this was not that. This was. At one in the morning. At one in the morning, off, bounds from the bed. Yeah. I hear him, and I'm like, what is going on? I sit up, I can see that, like, through the crack in my bedroom window that like the outdoor motion lights are on. Oh wow. I look over at my phone and I see that the security alerts are pinging. I look at my watch, motion back door, motion back door, motion back door. So I'm like, oh. up. I have a Remington 870 tactical that I keep right by the bed, which I can do because I don't have kids. <laughs> well, um, now hang on a second. Hang on a second. You train your kids right. Uh, yeah, and no, they got your back. Like, right. But I, I understand your you point. I understand your but, point. But like, I am a responsible gun owner. <laughs> yes, all the yes, other, but, but like at night, there is a loaded weapon next to me. I'm just, the reason, I, the reason I stopped you there is like I trust my son, my 15 year old son, more with the weapons in the house than I do with me. But continue. <laughs> um, so I see this bad guy had like come across the front of the house, had like covered his face, bypassed the front door, but was coming around and was trying to come in was trying to breach the fence that leads into the backyard mm. and didn't know I had a, a de another deterrent alarm on that gate. I have a pool alarm on that gate because when Ronan was like six months old and he got big enough, he was like pushing <laughs> that gate open. So I have it like bungee corded and I have a pool alarm on it. And he set that off and that's what woke Ronan up. Wow. And so Ronan is like, Dad, let me at him. Let me at him. Let me get out the back door. <laughs> this is what so I've been I, trained so for. I, this, literally, this is what he's been trained for. <laughs> And so I open up the back door, thinking if the guy got through the gate, Ronan would stop him in the yard. I flanked out the front door to, so I he would be between Ronan and I. And uh, I was like five seconds too late. Ronan scared him off. He never got through the fence. Ronan scared him off. And as I opened my front door and I came out, uh, he was uh, he already had one foot on the street and was and was booking off. But as we're like sharing, so immediately like secure. You know the property. We you know reset all the safeguards, and then call the police, give the report. The next morning, we're all talking, and he had tried to hit the apartment complex to my left. He tried to hit my house. He tried to hit my neighbor's house. He tried to hit another house next down the street. They wound up catching him Good. Uh, about like half a mile down, yeah. like around like three, like two hours later, around like three o'clock in the morning. But and 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 what you experienced, uh, and the help you got from Ronan, um, that. Uh, that's actually one of the tips that you give readers in your book. I mean, now you're an author, man. How cool is that? Not only are you a Hollywood actor, <laughs> okay, but you're also a book actor, author. author. Right. Is there an egot for uh, for uh, like business owner, uh, author, uh, uh, movie guy? Right, right. Uh, um, if I have a business, a podcast, a book, and an IMDb page, yep. is that its own award? Or yes. Is that a, uh, we need to make get, one. Right? We need to make one. We need to come up with the acronym Listen, if Hollywood can keep making up awards to give to themselves, I think that veteran-owned small business owners should be able to make up awards to give to ourselves. Let's uh, let's do that before the show's over today. Uh, if it's not an EGOT, what would it be? It has a, a P for podcast, V for veteran, author, actor, a PAV. Right? A PAV. Right? Because then you're a podcaster, an author, author, an actor, and a veteran. I like it. A PAV award. A PAV award. All right, See? You're, we're going to name it after you. I'm going to get my, uh, my, uh, my copyright lawyer on the yeah, There you go. Right there you go. All right. You got some time before I publish this podcast. That's, that's, so get on let's that. Let's go. So one of the tips that you mentioned is to get a dog in the book, The Safety Trap. and Best home security money can buy. And I love how you describe it in the book. You, you say... 
the dog isn't going to go against its instinct. That's brilliant because you might hesitate as a human or something like that. This the dog is like, I, I got this. So, so to our point, when, when I was talking earlier about sometimes like the dog will just like kind of like pop his head up and then I'm like, oh, am I right. supposed to do something? Or and then the dog will put his head back down and be like, oh, okay, we're good. But if my I see my dog, right, I know it's real, right. You know what I mean? Because that dog does not mess around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always there's there's like five the you know quote unquote like the five D's of home security, right? There's deter. Which a dog is going to do just by its presence, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a, a, its own deterrence factor. You have detect, which a dog is going to do because a dog is going to smell that whoever is not supposed to be there from way. My dog is a good 10, 15 seconds, gives me a good 10, 15 second heads up before my security camera right. alerts me that someone's on my property. Uh-huh. Right? They're going to deny entry to someone because they're going to you know prevent them from coming through. They're at least going to delay them mm-hmm. if that person you know, does get through. And then ultimately they're going to defend you because they're ultimately going to defend themselves because you are their master and they know that you're their lifeline. Mm-hmm. So you have all five Ds right there. Dog is the, a well-trained dog yeah. is the single best home security money can buy. And you pair that with a Remington 870 <laughs> and uh, no. and some combat experience. And not, not, a, not a Beretta 92 I, I mean, I, I, I put FS a, compact? Um, no, I put a, oh, listen. I've, uh, <laughs> but you don't exactly have to be tactical with a shotgun. That's you true. know what I mean? You do need to be tactical. You don't need to be surgical. You, can, right, you know I mean, you don't, you don't, it's no, you don't need to be hollowing out a dime at 50 yards. You can point that thing down a hallway and bye-bye bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. That, that's, that's very, yeah. that's, that's worth taking under advisement, everyone. Other great stuff in the book, and there is so much, is that um, I love the example you give of don't let your default setting be too nice. You make the point that if someone approaches you and says, hey, where is, you know, the whatever, gas station, whatever, you know, the chances are, as you point out in the book, there's something else up their sleeve here. They've got an ulterior motive because in a day and age of smartphones and and maps at everybody's literal fingertips, what's this person up to? Right. No one, no one ever needs to ask you what time it is. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, there's just it's so easy to know what time it is. It's it's on our watches, it's on our phones. Or someone doesn't need to ask you now. Maybe if you're like out on the road and you're the GPS is you're in some you know remote location and you're not exactly sure where you're going. Yeah, you can pull over and. <laughs> But will, there's a context to that, can I, right? Can I just say the one place where you literally never know what time it is is when you are waiting in line for Carlsbad Caverns in southern New Mexico because. The cell tower on one side of the building pings from the central time zone and on the other side of the building from the mountain time zone and nobody knows when their tour begins. It's not just me. Yeah, uh, or you're driving from <laughs> Austin to uh, Big Bend. Right. And you hit that like four hour mark just past uh, like Marcos <laughs> and your GPS just goes, good luck. <laughs> you're on, you're on, you're on. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's so, like a desert map of just a white screen and an arrow. So does everybody <laughs> understand this? Unless you're in South right. Texas but if you're or Southern walking Mexico, out of right. uh, Target, you know, in, uh, in Highland Park, yeah. no one needs to be asking you like these questions. And if yeah. they do, there's probably, and basically what it comes down to. So in the book, I identified... I think it was like 16 safety traps that everyone falls into. And the way I kind of structured it was, here's what happened. Here's how it was allowed to happen. And here's how you can keep it from happening to you. 
But one of them is is being too polite. Mm-hmm. You know, that one of those things is, you know, being polite is a courtesy, but protecting yourself is a priority. And you should never, if, if, if something is a no to you, it should never be a yes to someone else. Hmm. You know what I mean? You should never be like, oh, well, I just, I don't want to be mean. Or, oh, I don't want to, I don't want him to think I'm, you know, not you know, respectful. Right? Being polite is a courtesy. Protecting yourself is a priority. Just, I want to make sure I say this correctly because I can always write it better. Your <laughs> unwillingness to offend another should never be greater than your willingness to defend yourself. There you go. Yep. I, right? I, I, I mean, like it's it. really that simple. I mean, look. Your safety comes first. If 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 your biggest if your bigger concern is potentially offending a stranger, then ensuring your safety, eh, maybe reevaluate your plan. Yeah, listen. Just think of it like on, like in the airline safety brief, where they tell you to put your own mask on first mm-hmm. before you help others. Mm-hmm. Because if you're dead, you can't. You're of no use to anyone. In fact, you're a liability to everyone else around you. So participate in your own protection. Save yourself first. Make sure you're secure in your, and then, okay, mm-hmm. what, let, am I, am I, am I surrounding good? Okay, now maybe I'm in a position of, of strength that I can, I can help someone else. But don't be doing it from a point of vulnerability. Another tip in the book, The Safety Trap from Spencer Corson, is if you're getting a security alarm installed in your house, make sure the control panel is not within sight of a door or window. One, don't make sure, not only make sure that it's not within sight of a door or a window, but actually use it. Mm-hmm. Like 85% of home invasions, the guy comes through the front door because the front door is unlocked. Unbelievable stat. 85% of the time. In fact, the ring camera footage of my neighbor showed the guy walk up, look, see the lights, and then still comes up and tries the front door. Wow. I mean, just blatant. 1.30 in the morning, just how, how do most cars get stolen? Because they leave the keys in them. Like, you know, they leave, they have like the fob themselves, but they leave the valet key in the glove box. <laughs> and it's a proximity <laughs> key, wait, so. Wait, I don't have a valet key. I need to get a different car. Huh. You mean, is that the extra key you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh okay. My bad. Now I got you. Oh, so, uh, that, 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 is, isn't it called a valet key? Probably from people that are in the know. I, I just call it the, the wife's key. Oh, well, gotcha. I don't have a wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's fun. That's good. Okay. Oh, are there plans? I don't know. We'll oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. Let's explore this. What's, what's... Let's not. Okay. <laughs> You're like, by the time this post, I this? could either be married when is this or coming? broken. <laughs> I, so let's see how well the book does. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay. So in addition to your security background, in yes. addition to your acting bona fides, did I pronounce that right? Sure. Right. Uh, you, you've I was seen... acting. Brilliant. Yes, indeed. Uh, you, you you wrote the safety trap. I did. Um, Has my name on it and everything. Canine trainer. Like, it's not just in the in the movie, right? Like. Yeah. So dog. so the interesting thing about so Ronan is being trained as a service dog. So we're going through that training together. How difficult is it to get a dog trained? German Shepherds are surprisingly easy to train. The okay. hardest the hardest thing is training me. The hardest part about training the dog is training the trainer. Oh. Because you want to... And I, I guess it's... I, I mean, I don't have kids, but I've protected a lot of kids. And there's a certain, like, 
you want them to like you, so you want to be nicer. But mm-hmm. kids need boundaries oh, yeah. and rules, and they need to know that like no is later. no, and it pays off later. Big exactly. time because, because you invest the time now. My gosh, you're gonna get to relax so much more later. Right, because both dogs and kids don't understand nuance, and so it's either they're never allowed on the couch or they're allowed on the couch. But it's not. Well, sometimes you're allowed on the couch. <laughs> this is. See, this is a tough battle in my house. The big dog is not allowed on the couch. The little dog is. And so the big dog just sits there and stares up like, really? What? Why isn't this? What, what, what's the deal here? I don't know, because you'll break me in the couch. That's why. Yeah. And it's hard to explain that. But, I mean, he gets other privileges that he doesn't realize he gets. But anyway, I digress. But yes, training. Yeah, the, yeah. Like my father-in-law had a German shepherd that was trained, but only knew commands in German. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, so well, I, and I kind of, we kind of came up with our own because I don't want commands that other people know. So, like, we have our own That's commands. Very good. So, oh. um, so we have our own. Yeah. I system. Gotcha. You don't want to, you don't want to uh, say it here. It's, I, it's, it's a, it's hands down the healthiest relationship I've ever had is, is, <laughs> is, my, is Ronan. That's awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I, no, I, so I, I, I don't want to say that like I'm out there like training dogs, but I'm going through the the training. Okay. I'm getting trained uh, while training my dog. Understood. You like to cook. Love to cook. What's your what's your go-to dish? You're trying to impress somebody. One mm. dish. What are you making, Spencer? I make the best homemade pizza you will ever have in your life. Dude. And I grill it on the trigger. Okay, stop. Just just homemade dough. Stop. Homemade sauce. Stop it. Yeah. Okay, because I'm hungry right now, and pizza's my favorite food. So hook me up sometime. What's sure, you? yeah. Okay. Um, so my, <laughs> uh, all the women in my life, my mom, my grandma, both my grandmothers, uh, phenomenal cooks. Oh. And so um, I think one of the reasons that as, a, as an adult I have such strong masculinity is because as a child I was raised by such positive femininity. Mm-hmm. And I think when a lot of people talk about like you know like toxic masculinity, it's actually like masculinity itself isn't toxic. It's the it's the absence of masculinity that's toxic. That's and, interesting. Uh, yeah, so I, I am the successful son of a single mother who who taught me how to uh, take care of myself and cook and clean and oh, cool. um, yeah, it's great. You I love to shout I, out to mom. Say hi. What, hi mom. <laughs> love you. <laughs> so uh, that's really cool. That, yeah. that, that's a that's a well explained well expressed back to our conversation with spencer corson in just a moment but first let's talk about how you can get pain out of your life michael is a retired professional tennis player he's likely nobody you've heard of but he has made a good living playing tennis and as you might expect after retiring he had shoulder problems he still enjoyed playing but the pain in his shoulder got so bad he could rarely take part surgery was not the answer so he was looking for any solution when he came across dr monroe's pain cream He used it multiple times for one day, and then he felt good enough to play a game with his daughter. Afterwards, he didn't feel any ill effects, and he continued to use the cream. Today, he plays whenever he wants, and he doesn't give his shoulder a second thought. Let Michael's story be like your story. Head over to DrMonroe'sCBD.com, and when you do, 20% of your purchase, that's going to go to assist kids in need at the Child Help Organization. They're a great charity in need of your assistance at a time when children in our nation are facing very unique challenges. So, assist children in need while you're assisting yourself and getting that pain out of your life at drmonroescbd.com. That's drmonroescbd.com. I want to talk to you about your favorite book. 
Okay, it's yes. uh, Ernest Hemingway's A Movable Feast. Yes. Are you familiar with Jack Carr? Of course. Who? Okay. All right. Is All there right. a Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to say something disparaging, but yeah, right. uh, there's, I don't think there's like a, a like a veteran alive with a functioning heart with the ability to read that doesn't know who Jack Carr is. <laughs> That's a, the, the Devil's ooh. Hand is phenomenal. I yeah, mean, it's a while great you're series. buying my yeah. book, please also yes. buy Jack Carr's book, uh, The Devil's Hand. Yeah, and um, which is, it's kind of cool because you know there's like the the six degrees of like Kevin Bacon, uh -huh. so. Um, Chris Pratt is pl is yeah. portraying the character in Jack Carr's book. Mm -hmm. Chris Pratt also in Zero Dark Thirty. That's awesome. The circle. Look continues. at that. Look at that. That's cool. Yeah. So Jack Carr was a previous guest on this podcast. Great guy. And oh, super guy. Yes, absolutely. And a fan of his gifted him the typewriter that a movable feast was. I, I saw that on his Instagram. How Isn't that crazy? Great because is that? that used, which I don't understand how he got it, because I thought that typewriter was in Cuba. That, that, oh, we should we should do some research. Because when you go to Cuba, you uh -huh. can go to Hemingway's house, right? and in Hemingway's house is the. I mean, there's like Hemingway's desk, and there's Hemingway's typewriter. But I'm assuming that someone as prolific as Hemingway probably had more than one typewriter, uh -huh. and maybe that was the typewriter that he wrote. Uh, a movable insert uh, oh. you know, book here. But um, yeah, I mean, a movable feast was, first off, what an awesome, like Hemingway was just like an old school guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like fought in the war, you know, loved music, wrote books, wrote plays, um, loved whiskey, loved to hunt, loved to travel. I was just like, this, like, this guy did everything. I was like, I want to like, like model my life like that. And, uh, like, even this book, I mean, I just took that whole, like, write drunk, edit sober thing to heart. Um, See, I, I, I got to find this book. I've, I've, I'm not familiar with it. I've, it's, it's come a, up twice on this it's podcast. A, it's a, the, 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 the big takeaway from, from A Movable Feast is experience is everything because you can take those experiences with you. And the book ends with, so if you have the opportunity to live in Paris as a young man, you should do so because, you know, that life, that love, that experience, it will always be with you because... Paris is a movable feast. Okay, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check this yeah. book out. I don't read a lot of fiction. I don't know if you've ever been at Paris. No. The old joke about Paris, Paris is. Paris, no, the, the old joke is about Paris is that like God created one of the most beautiful places on earth and then filled it with the French just to balance everything <laughs> out. Hey, French jokes are always welcome here. Absolutely, that's great. So, what was the thing you said? Je t'aime la France, je t'aime. Uh oh. Do I need to edit that out? No, I said okay. I love your friends. Oh, okay. Uh, right drunk. What was it? Right, so like one of like Hemingway's marquee quotes is "Write drunk, edit sober." He's oh. like, "You just sit down and bleed." So wait, so it almost sounds like my Twitter feed. But sounds anyway. like my dating life. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, let's see. Five possessions, your truck. If you could keep five possessions, your truck, my your dog, my truck, mm -hmm. a rifle, a handgun, and my phone. Yeah. Because if I have those five things, I can ask for or procure everything else. But what if you don't have a cell signal? What if? See, I gotta fix this question. I gotta fix this question and say deserted island. Oh, okay, so five things on a deserted island. Yeah. How big's the season. island? Do I need a truck? Uh, Is it drivable? Nah, it's just a little patch of land. So we're like castaway. Yeah, you're not. You're under a palm tree every day. Um. So my phone, a <laughs> solar charger, because I can this way I can play music. One day I'm getting a signal from somewhere. It's happening. I, I, I really want it just for the playlist. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you can just imagine how much easier isolation would be with music. 
or podcasts, or yeah. like at least stories that you yeah, have absolutely. are audible or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, you're going to need a solar charger. Yeah. So that's two. And you got the dog, right? Still. Yeah. Some kind of a knife or a hatchet or okay, something. Yeah. Some kind of like yeah. a tool. Probably right. a a rifle. I think you're up to four. Um, and something that can hold water. Oh, like a canteen move. or something. Smart move. Yes, sir. So the most scared that you've ever been was stepping off a loading ramp of a C-130. Yeah. Just landing in Afghanistan. What was your time in Afghanistan like? Please remind people that just take a moment to think of how miserable it must have been over there. Am I wrong? It was miserable. I, I, it just, I can't imagine, A, living in a desert... B, living in a desert where you're not wanted, and C, doing this kind of stuff that yeah. you have to do and over there. Everyone and, wants to kill you. And D, <laughs> your life is constantly yeah, at yeah, risk. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. A, being a veteran, God bless all of you, but in that kind of situation. Yeah, that was the most, the mo- not being like uh, engaged, not being told we were going, not the ride over there, not any of the actual like combat applications not car accidents not protection details the most scared i've ever been was walking off that ramp mm. and like oh because that's you know it's like I, I the old the way i always equated it is imagine you're you know you're always like in football practice but you never get to play a game and now you're in the locker room you're suited up and then the, that first time you're taking the field you're like oh i'm gonna get hit and this is and not by like my other teammates who like are gonna kind of hit me. It's ain't practice, or like right, or like you're not like you know doing jujitsu with your boys who are like, as soon as you tap out, they're gonna they're gonna take you out of that guillotine. Uh-huh. Like these guys want to kill you. Like yeah. this is real. Like there's no reset. There's no start over. There's no you know up up down down left right, BS. Mm-hmm. This is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And then once you accept that, you're fine. But there was a but, the ramp went. We landed. The, you know, we, we taxied over and like, and you step off the plane and like, you see where you see the bullet holes that they've like oh. massacred this airfield with prior Gosh. to your landing. Yeah. Um, and you're like, Oh, okay. All right. So this is what modern warfare looks like, man. Yeah. That was the, that was when it, that was when you knew it was real. Mm-hmm. Well, and, God bless uh, all of you. I, I can't imagine being in that position for five minutes, much less uh, a tour. Okay. Yeah, um, well, hey, but hey, man, it was an honor and a pleasure to serve. Sure. Well, favorite comfort food is Skittles. Skittles. Now, I'm gonna tell. Do you, you remember this? Do you remember like the old like every time we would go like on a detail somewhere and like Wilson would just have like a big bag of Skittles waiting for me. I didn't know this. No, oh, Wilson, yeah, was, who used to work here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a running gag <laughs> for a long time. Like oh, on the pl- cool. on the planes, they'd have Skittles. Staying the- good with the guy who's carrying. Yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's a good plan. No, uh, uh, Skittles. The sour ones, specifically, are one of my very few fond memories of New Jersey, no offense. But I remember I used to take the bus in, because you used to live in the Poconos. Yeah. You know, okay, mm-hmm. and for high school, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world. God, gorgeous. I, right, and I had no idea growing yeah, up yeah, in yeah. Georgia and stuff until I lived up in, in western Jersey and actually went to a NASCAR race there in the Poconos. Yeah, Pocono Raceway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
I would ride the bus line. It would go straight down uh, 78, probably. Uh, 80. Eight, uh, March. Oh, wait, you're going to Interstate Jersey? 78. No, to go into Manhattan for Glen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and the far reaches. We almost lived in Bethlehem, actually. Oh, yeah, you're way a couple out. towns over. Right, so. It's like Allentownish. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, it's beautiful. It, it literally is beautiful. West Jersey, uh, eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah, because 78 hits, it drops you at the tunnel. 78 drops you at the tunnel. Yes. Right. Well, it gets or you it? it gets you to uh uh Port Authority bus terminal there and Oh, right, 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 right. So was that like the old Marts bus station? Bus bus line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I I I've, I've taken that bus a couple times into the I, city. I set this story up just to say every day in the winter. Every day in the winter cuz it, it it happened my skittle experience happened by accident one time. And then it became a thing with me. I don't think I've ever told this to anybody. I don't know. I would take that bus, and it would be so cold all day. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. And I'd get, I'd get into my car in the parking lot there after getting off the bus, and sitting in my cup holder was this bag of sour Skittles, frozen solid. That was my treat. That was my motivation to get out of the city every day, and I would just think about those sour frozen Skittles waiting for me in my car in the That's parking funny. lot. It's... I've never had sour Skittles, although I, I um, so I, I've, I I've become addicted to uh, just having everything delivered. Yeah. Uh, so I do like you know either HEB delivers or Amazon Prime or Whole Foods or whatever, and uh, I had never had Sour Patch Kids before. Whoa! But they. Sh- I went to hit oh. Skittles, but I guess I accidentally hit oh. Sour Patch. Or maybe there was like out of Skittles and they subbed it for Sour Patch. Oh, wow. But Sour Patch, I was like, these are pretty good. Oh, yeah, they are. They're, oh, these they are, are pretty, addictive. pretty, 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 I pretty am good. I am a huge fan of the Sour yeah. Patch so, Kids. So uh, what's, what's on the compare contrast scale of Sour Skittles to Sour Patch Kids? Well, they're different, see, because... What you do is you get, try this. Everybody listening, just try this. Take, just go buy a pack of sour Skittles, put them in your freezer, and then, you know, we're in the middle of the summer now, you know, you, you, you get them out of the freezer, and just you just Doesn't enjoy. that break your teeth? Yeah, but you just, you, you enjoy it. Okay. You, 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 you keep them in your mouth for a while. Yeah, so, uh, when, so when I was in ranger school, <laughs> there was uh, an MRE called Chicken Salsa, and Chicken Salsa came with Skittles. And so my, my love of Skittles st- stemmed from that because you only get so much time to eat, but I could take those Skittles and like keep yeah. them in my pocket. Nice. And then I could just like sneak one oh. up to my mouth on patrols. So I could have that like <laughs> continuous little like, sh- I was like microdosing Skittles That's a to great... keep me awake uh-huh. during, uh, during patrol base uh, activities. Oh, the sour Skittles would have kept you awake for multiple reasons. I can Not only the sweetness, but the sour. And then you're eventually rewarded because, you know, you, it, it kind of unfreezes and you get that chewy center. I'm telling you, you should try it. I, I'll give it a try. Yeah. All right. I'm going to check up on you in a couple of months and make sure you have. Uh, Don't you lie to me. To that. Uh, Come back for round two. Okay. Very good. Very good. So <laughs> I love this answer to this question. Have you <laughs> crossed paths with celebrities or famous people? Yes. Now... Are we going to explore any of these experiences or... No one's more famous than you, Keith. Oh, oh wow. That is that is good to know. Then I guess we'll just keep moving because that means the answer um, is really bad. Okay, okay. Obviously, because you protect celebrities. You protect yeah. a lot of important people. I mean, that's yeah. your job. What's your website for your company? 
Uh, the website is CorsonSecurityGroup.com. Corson Security And then group. the website for the book is TheSafetyTrap.com. But okay. if you just Google Spencer Corson, I'm Spencer Corson, the actor, and then all the... Uh, <laughs> I'm at the point now where I actually have like a Google side panel. I was like, oh, when did this... <laughs> when did this come up? That is it's awesome. only because of the book. That is so But funny. it's... Uh, but yeah, my legs are there. Oh, but cool. uh, yeah, uh, uh, I have a threat management firm. Mm -hmm. We help. Uh, we do protective intelligence, vulnerability reduction. Yeah. And uh, so you obviously can't tell stories of celebrities that you protected, right? Or yeah. So I don't really do protection work anymore. Okay. Uh, I think the last protective detail I did was like maybe like 2013 or 2014. I will build protective details for clients, and I will audit protective details for clients, but. I'm not, I'm, I'm 44. I'm not walking right shoulder anymore. Um, if it's like a short term high risk and it's someone with whom I already have an established rapport, then I'll do it. All right, so outside of, of your line of work, are there any kind of uh, celebrity run-ins you have? Anything you could share or should we just Literally all. That's cool. Oh, not I'll tell you something pretty cool. Oh, okay. I'm out walking, I live in Austin. Mm -hmm. I'm out walking. Uh, uh, Ronan and I are coming back from uh, the dog park, and I'm walking down Lamar Boulevard in Austin, and I see um, uh, three uh, guys walking towards me, and um, one of them's like a bigger guy, and I don't make him for security like right off the bat, but um, this kind of like this car pulls out, and then the three guys come around, and Ronan and I kind of circumvented and I say, excuse me, gentlemen. And I hear one of the guys say, uh, thank you both for your service, talking to Ronan and I. And I look over, it's Dave Chappelle. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, and thank you for yours, sir. Oh. And uh, he was in, he and uh, Rogan were doing uh, a comedy show <laughs> uh, at Stubbs, which is uh, like this music venue in oh, cool. Austin. And he was in town. And there's a couple of restaurants right there that I guess they were going to. Okay. And it just didn't even dawn on me. I was like, oh, it's Dave Chappelle. Did, did he recognize awesome. you or, or just? No, uh, but I, Ronan has like a service dog okay. harness and okay. I have a go bag that's, okay. uh, you know, got uh, some uh, military. Um, I got you. Well, that's uh, really patches. cool to hear that an unscripted yeah. celebrity moment. Dave Chappelle. Just, very hey, positive. Literally just like, could have been a nice guy. He's like, hey, thank you both for your service. That's... Like literally stopped his conversation. To thank us for our service. That's great. And uh, I was like, I was like, hey, thank you. I was like, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. It was great. That is such a great guy. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, I love your answer, but I'm curious as to why you chose Marcus Aurelius as the person you'd like to go back in history to meet. What's up with him? Uh, stoicism. Hmm. Um, uh, Tales of Seneca. I think I think Marcus Aurelius was really just. Well, first off, he was. He's arguably considered to be the last like philosopher leader hmm. before the downfall of Rome. Right. And his writings, his stoicism, his which is a way of of being content with what you have but not needing more and but looking out for yourself while also looking out for others, I think is a a really interesting framework from which to live one's life. And would just Love the opportunity. You know when you like you you read something or you hear a song lyric and you're like, wow, I just would love to know what inspired this. Like, what's the backstory? Mm -hmm. What's the origin? What was the, you know, what was the gestation of this, you know, of this way of thinking? I think he'd be a a really interesting person to yeah. have us have a conversation with. 
Uh, that, He'd be a great guy on the pod. Let's get him on the pod. That is a great answer. And if you can make that interview happen, my gosh, I will give you all the sour patch kids and sour Skittles you can handle. Did you ever watch the TV show Devs? No. It was on Hulu. Nick Offerman was in it. Uh-uh. Um, What's that about? I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's yeah. basically about what if we had the ability to not just know the future, but to also know the past, where you could actually go back and using this whatever. I'm going to have to check this out. What you could it? literally go. Yeah, it's called Devs, D-E-V-S. Okay. All right, I'll check this out. Um, check this out. It's... I, don't, I wonder how it would work as a binge. Huh. How many episodes is it? It's... Is it just one... Se- like? It's it's like eight or nine episodes. Okay. So, but, like, it came out on... I want to say it came out on Hulu. But, like, Hulu did... Like, they dropped, like, the first two. Then they dropped two. Then they did, like, one, 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 one. Huh. Um, I'll check it yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. It's, okay. I think you'll like it. Well, when but I hear... But you'll, you'll see where I'm talking about how... What if you could go back or go forward and talk to or experience anything or... Okay. Well, I've got another eight-episode Hulu show for you to binge. Uh, so eight episodes and you're done. It's 11 Oh. James Franco. Yeah. That's a great greatest? show. So so here's the premise. The premise of that show is brilliant. Yes. He goes back, he goes back in time to try to stop the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. And he tries to... Stop it from happening. And then you get right. to watch the show yeah. and enjoy it from there. Yeah. I, it is so good because I, I started, because I don't watch a lot of TV. I just do not. And it took a flight where you can choose Hulu shows. And I literally scrolled to the very bottom. Not interested, not interested. Not, the very last option was 11 63 I recognized the date. I said, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. I watched it and I was hooked. And I ended up watching the remaining seven episodes. Uh, yeah, it's funny how... I've been doing like more rewatches than like new watches lately. Oh. Um, it's on the Ringer Network. It's called uh, The Wire Way Down in the Hole with uh, Jamel Hill and Van Lathan as hosts. Mm. But they do, they did a, a, a episode by episode breakdown of The Wire. Each week they'd watch one episode. So I watched each episode as they were going through oh, it. Oh, wow. And it's fascinating. So you watch the the, the Wire episode. You watch then that you watch one the episode and then, you, and then you listen to that podcast, which breaks it down. Okay. But like you forget that like Michael B. Jordan of Black Panther and Without Remorse fame was Wallace on the wire as a, like a little like ten year old kid getting his you know breaking his his acting chops. How cool uh, on the wire! Ah. It's uh it's great. All right. And now I'm rewatching uh, NYPD Blue. Boy, NYPD Blue, a quarter of a century ago, that was risque TV. That was pushing the limits, pushing the envelope. And today, I bet it, I, I don't know. Oh. You're watching it now. I bet you're like, this is tame. It's not. I'll tell you what it is, is when you want to know how just out in the open police violence was, hmm. it's just like, well, if he doesn't confess, we're just going to beat it out of him. Wow. Or, well, how did you get this confession? Well, I tuned him up in the interview room. Tuned or, him up. like, I mean, it is like the the pervasiveness mm. of police violence in that show is appalling. <laughs> it does not stand the test of time very well. Oh no. At all. Uh, I never I didn't watch it. Much. And I was a devout fan of that okay, show. Okay, cuz we were both in high school at that time, you and yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I remember I'd flip through, I'd watch a little bit here and there, but it just never really held me. But you're telling me that uh 
I should probably go back and watch that. And it's shocked, like, and it's, huh? but it's like to the point where like they'll have like the district attorneys and the district attorneys are like, well, I'm going to leave the room so I don't see this meeting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like, oh, oh, oh. It, is, it is not. Yeah, okay, it hmm. is. Uh, ugh. Now, uh, to the question, most embarrassing moment. Your answer is way too many to count. Well, there's so many, and you you used all caps. So, do you want to tell us any of them? It's, it's it's like one of those things where it's like <laughs> like tell me how many tell me about a time you drank water. You know what I mean, it's like oh, I drink water so often. Like I have made I have embarrassed. Here's the thing though is like so many of my embarrassments. I don't know if everyone else realized it, but there was like such an embarrassment to me that I was able to like cover it up. Hmm. Um. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, you mean to break the ice? Because I can give you one that uh, I just uh, sure. Give me one of yours, okay, and so, I'll maybe it'll. Uh, so this just happened to me uh, Mother's Day. Okay. So my mom was supposed to come over for lunch at one o'clock okay don't get there before one because we're not going to be ready okay and i'm in the kitchen helping my youngest daughter cook everything and get everything ready and she says that nani's here okay and nani being the uh, uh earlier podcast as well here on the program um and i said what and this is loud right and i go what does she not know how to tell time i said one o'clock Good grief! It was twelve fifteen at that point. Right. Okay. And I and and my youngest Zeely looks and she goes shh, and I'm like, oh no, she's in the house. Like I thought she had texted her or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> so she's waiting just off the kitchen, and I go in there and I'm like, hey, happy Mother's Day! All Hi, right. mom. Right. And and she showed me the text where and and we were laughing and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was embarrassed and I apologized. Um, and she showed me the text where I said, come over at 12, we'll eat at 1. Whoops. <laughs> that was a little embarrassing for, for me. There, one of the ones that my parents love to always uh, demonstrate as to my my own uh, idiocy is there is a video. And this is back when like parents like still had like VHS cameras that they would take to all of, like school events and stuff. And it's like a music show or a concert. And I'm playing the saxophone and I'm on like the top level. So it's like, I don't know how many rows were but you know like those like like high school risers that they have so you have like the, the people who are on the floor you have the people on the first rise people on the second rise people on the third riser mm -hmm. i'm on the third riser i like to rock sometimes when i'm talking <laughs> but i also rock when i'm playing and so i'm in this like metal folding chair and i'm playing the song and i'm kind of like rocking back and forth oh, and then all of a sudden no, no. as you're watching it you just me go I just disappear oh, <laughs> off no. the back. And I've rocked myself right off the back of the risers Third and onto the level. backstage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and just went. You... <laughs> oh, that hurt. <laughs> and did then, you uh, get? And then I... you see me climb back up. So you didn't break anything. I didn't break anything. Oh my. Um, gosh. Yeah. Do you still play instruments today? You still I don't. Do I so I have a guitar that I if I uh, uh, I can fumble through a couple chords on and. Embarrass myself in yeah. case anyone was actually in the enough room. to wake the neighbors. I uh, I sing to my dog. Oh yeah. After like I do whiskey too. number four. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you there. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, my dog, like if he's not if he's not sure what kind of mood I'm in, mm -hmm. like the little one, she's she's clueless. You know, she's just whatever. But he, if he's trying to gauge what kind of mood I'm in, if I start singing or something like that, mm -hmm. and the tail starts wagging, he's like, okay, okay, he's cool today, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so and I that's got That's great. You. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, it's music and shooting. You, it's, you'll have an, you always have an intrinsic talent, but it's a perishable skill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you can get back into it, and you can get good again pretty good. There is some muscle memory to it, but 
you know, like I used to be able to sit down at the piano and, you know. It was like turning off a switch when you read the Tom Clancy book, huh? Like music was done. It was just like, it was just like, oh, like, no. Uh You know, like it was a calling. Yeah. Like, hey, remember you were supposed to do this with your life? And you're like, That's interesting. That's. Back goes back to your and then five-year-old never, self. Never, never looked back. When your grandfather said, yeah. you're the man of the house. That's really interesting. Uh, you sure there's nothing in your Amazon cart right now? So prior to the pandemic, <laughs> there were I had wish lists and guest lists, <laughs> and, uh, and now it's everything is, um, it's, yeah. Maybe ask me again in like six months when like things return to normal and <laughs> yeah. I don't have time to peruse Amazon. <laughs> right. But during the, the last... How long have we been in this thing? Like a little over a year? Mm-hmm. Amazon is at my house sometimes three times a day. Yeah, you can have this today if you order in the next 45 minutes. Well, okay. <laughs> in, in fairness, the last thing that was in my Amazon cart that didn't come that day was um, a copy of The Safety Trap. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, trap. Which, got, which got delivered to my door. So that could be a good test for everyone is uh, post your response times <laughs> from, from the time that you added The Safety Trap, at, from the time you added it to your cart to the time it arrived at your door, uh, fastest time gets a signed copy. Oh, nice! Of the how, book. Do they, how do they prove that? Because <laughs> uh, uh, you're gonna send a date time stamp photo okay. of okay. of you of the a receipt lot, of you ordering. Uh, and that, no, it's two photos. Who can't merge two photos together? <laughs> and what is your um? What's your what's your Twitter handle? If, uh, if I'm at Spencer Corson. At Spencer Corson. So, so if it's, you it's, if you at Spencer Corson mm-hmm. me, uh, <laughs> if you have the fastest time from order to <laughs> From checking it out to getting at your door, I will send you a signed copy and that, of the book. That book title again is "The Safety Trap: A Security Expert's Secrets for Staying Safe in a Dangerous World," written by actor Spencer Corson. <laughs> Spencer <laughs> Corson, awesome. the actor. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, thesafetytrap.com, CorsonSecurityGroup.com, and WorkSweatWin.com. What's over at WorkSweatWin.com? So, WorkSweatWin is. Years ago, my I went to a school at Westchester University, and they invited me back for a Legacy of Leadership Award. And I didn't know I was going to have to give a speech as they presented me with this award. So I'm up on stage, and I'm just winging oh, man. The, my speech. And I'm like, like, you're talking no preparation at all. No They prep. just said, went up cold. What, what did they say? Hey, can you speak to yes. me? Oh, my goodness. And so I went up cold, and I was like... <laughs> And it was like, I don't know, I spoke for maybe like 15 minutes. Okay. And was just talking about like, listen, you know, I get up every day and I try to do the best I can. And, you know, you know, the, I, I see what the rock is doing and he's out there just like, <laughs> you know, out there like sweating and putting in the work. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, I do the same thing. I, I work, I sweat and I win. Mm-hmm. And the more work I do, the more sweat, the sweat equity, the luck, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So every day work, sweat, win, work, sweat, win, work, <laughs> sweat, win. And I literally just like, riffed it and I came out uh, from that speech and people like man I love that work sweat win thing it really resonated with me <laughs> because and and that was like years ago so it, then it just, just became so now I end my podcast with that like uh-huh. onward upward work sweat win and I'll see you back here next week I sign nice. my emails with it and then um, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, like, I don't know like a month or two ago and he was like uh, like I wanted to do like something like rat packish and you know so I saw that the, the domain was available so I was like Oh, that's interesting. So I went on like Squarespace and typed in like worksweatwin.com and it was available. And I was like, 
Okay. Thank you. And then I was, I like, you know, like when Jocko put out his book, like he had those, like I drink out of a Jocko mug every morning. It says like discipline equals freedom. Uh -huh. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could have a mug that said work, sweat, win? And so oh. I, I went on like uh, some like make a logo yeah, site. These websites. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, well we can make these for like, uh, I was like, oh, okay. So then I just put the website with a, and I started having like t-shirts made. And How cool. So like when I came in this morning, I was wearing like a work, sweat, win shirt. Uh -huh. Um. And uh, yeah, so I have a website now that sells. Uh, um, That's two T-shirts you need to buy: the WorkSweatWin.com T-shirt and the AtTheMikeShop.com T-shirt. Right? Yeah. You got, you uh, got second place on fastest time gets. Uh, all right, <laughs> first place. First place on the book gets a T-shirt and Ooh. a book. Second place gets a signed copy of the book. I'm gonna let you figure this one out. Um, okay, and that's where the podcast is. Pod, the podcast is uh, at Corson's Corner. Uh, Corson's Corner is a protective strategy podcast to help you succeed in staying safe. My it's goodness. it's uh, framed a lot like the book is, where here's what happened, here's how it was allowed to happen, you, here's how you can you are ubiquitous. Keep it from happening to you. You're everywhere. That's I mean, is there? Well, that's why we have the Pav Award. The Pav Award. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the inaugural Pav Award goes to the gentleman that it is named after, Spencer Corson. That is. Uh, for a podcaster, an actor, an author, and a veteran. So the PAV Award, first annual, goes right here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It's, it's, you know, uh, speech, speech, 15 minutes, impromptu speech, please. Uh, works what, when. <laughs> thank you so much. Have we forgotten anything, Spencer? No, that's it, man. I really uh, appreciate you uh, having yeah, me on. Thank absolutely. you so much. Do check out this book. I'm telling you, it is, it is a home security, personal security Bible. Live your very best life the safest way possible. The Safety Trap by Spencer Corson. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. It was great getting to know Spencer. And please don't forget his incredibly helpful book at thesafetytrap.com. So useful. Thesafetytrap.com. And thanks so much for making time uh, to sit down with us this week. I, I hope you enjoyed this and our dozens of conversations here on At The Mic. This was episode number 63. Wow. How time flies. I do hope you will share this show uh, with others that you may know who are looking for a podcast that they can take anywhere. Good, that they can take anywhere. Good conversation is needed. Next week, we're going to sit down with Todd Erzin. You may know him from Blaze TV's Steve Dace program. Todd sat down with me recently, and we discussed everything from the best cover songs of all time, his life as a baseball umpire, and the time he was arrested. Interesting. That's next week on At The Mic. Until then, please go be free and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemicshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. Hey, did you know there's At The Mic Show merchandise now? Yeah, and it's currently at a big discount for a limited time. Head to atthemicshow.com, look for the shop button at the top of the page, or make it easier on yourself and head to atthemicshop.com. Com. Enter in code first time buy at checkout and you're going to get $5 off and free shipping on orders over $55. That's offer code first time buy at at the mic shop.com.